Father, thank you so much for um, your word, for without it we would not know truth. Um, and Father, without that truth we would not know where we've come from, we would not know why we're here, we would not know what is right and wrong, and we would n certainly not know where we're going. Father, it is because of um, this great, um, magnificent, glorious, um, majestic uh, person of Christ that uh, we want to fall in love with and have as the uppermost in our affections, um, in our lives, Father, to come to grips with what you have planned for those who love you. Um, Father, may our, um, our, our study of heaven and those things around heaven um, that give us context and give us clarity to your glory. Um, may they um, be infused into um, our uh, time together. Um, may you um, purify our hearts as it pertains to um, our affections and our aspirations, our addictions, and may, um, may the glory of Christ um, be self-evident plans that you have for those who love you. Father, um, may you um, give us a real sense of um, your plans for us. Um, may um, those plans have a profound impact on literally the decisions that we make day in and day, because everything does count. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, great. We, uh, we started last week um, to look into... Um, these things. Uh, we have a four-week class, and that four-week class um, is uh, a primer on uh, training us to long for home and to be home-free. Um, when you think about home-free, what does the home, word home-free mean to you? What does that kind of elicit? Do you remember that game when you were growing up, home-free? No? Mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it, it was a game where you... Um, you chose up sides and um, forget the, the name of the game wasn't home free, but but you if you got to the destination and it was a circle usually right and and if you got into that circle um, without being tagged okay or gotten then then you'd you'd be home free. No, what what was it? Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and you'd be you'd be you'd be home free. Mm -hmm. And and when I think about longing for home. You know, we we said last week that um, that uh, as a one pilgrim along this way, I gave you my perspective, which was that, and, and each of you corroborated that 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 we really, other than one or two people in the room, hadn't, and that was only probably once, ha hadn't ever had any teaching on heaven really at all, um, and if in fact we haven't had teaching on heaven, then we really don't know what it is. If we, if we don't know what it is, then we don't think much of our God. If we don't think much of our God, how would I ever commend that future to anybody else? I wouldn't, <laughs> because I don't think very highly of it, um, because I don't know it, right? So these things are really important. So um, uh, I'm going to come back to these questions um, uh, as we go through our time together. It's going to lead us through some of the conversation. Um, but when you think about death just by itself, um, let's just deal with that particular question really quickly. What is death and what happens next? Um, that's a profound question, isn't it, when you really think about it? Yeah. Go ahead, Marty. I was just going to say, well. Okay. Okay. And has death always been, is it normal? Is it natural? 
Is it? Fall. Okay. Since the fall, it's been normal. Okay. So since the fall, it's been normal and natural. But we wouldn't really call it God's plan or God's purpose. God never wanted to introduce death. Why was death introduced according to our study in Genesis? What did Adam and Eve, what did God not want Adam and Eve to, to eat from? Tree of knowledge, but also tree of life. What would the tree of life done if they had eaten from it? Give us eternal life. In what state? After the eight of the Correct. It seems four. But God said, not after this. You'll be eternally in a place that is separated from God. Eternally. So that is why God kicked them out of the garden and introduced death. Not because he didn't love them, but because he loved them. So that he could buy them back through the resurrection of Christ and redeem them and redeem all creation back into a place that would be better than even the original. That's the framework. That is the great news. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. Okay? And so um, last week we went through a bunch of things. I'm just going to fly through them. I'm not going to spend time unless you have a quick question. Okay? Um, and we said that which is yet to come. Some say the Bible speaks little about heaven. Explicitly and implicitly, the Bible is a book about the future of mankind and the world. God's master plan is the redemption of all things. History has reverberated towards this ever-increasing crescendo of this very moment, and the tsunami of time is pointing to the center stage. The cast of characters is being unveiled in the front-page news. The match is kindled underneath the worldwide cataclysmic conflict of good and evil, and these hostilities are beginning to coalesce at the epicenter of the earth called Israel, and that is God's chosen people. And these events are prophesied throughout scriptures, and their end will culminate in what we call eternity or the eternal eternal place. And, and what we believe and understand about heaven will declare or distort um, what we really be, believe God, who we really believe God is and, and it will complete or, or, or not complete our worldview. We said last week everybody has a worldview and we talked about that. This issue isn't do people have a worldview. The issue is they have a worldview. How do they get the worldview? And where do they put their, their hope on? And so the scriptures give us this picture of the future that becomes our living hope. And it emboldens our hearts and causes us to encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. For the consummation of our glorification, we're going to come back to that. Okay? And our long-awaited glorious reunion. Okay? And without this perspective, with this clarity, this focus, we will not think highly of our God, we will not commend him or heaven to a needy world screaming for answers and careening towards eternal death without God in the lake of fire. Okay? And so we talked about some, th this framework. We talked about uh, where we can be a little more dogmatic and where we can't be more dogmatic, but that you know, the scriptures seem to teach these things. And we work through these things. But basically, we're in this place here. There's a place, there's a thing called a tribulation period coming up. There's a part of that that seems to be the great tribulation. Um, then there's this 
millennial kingdom, thousand year reign with Christ on earth, with all immortals on earth, with mortals. There's the order of the resurrections that will take place. And then there is this judgment component um, for both non-believers and believers. And then there's, there's, there's this eternal state um, of of either the new heavens and earth or the lake of fire. So we're going to work through this, not going to spend a lot of time in it. Um, the second thing we, we just showed, I encourage you that I didn't have time to go through it whatsoever, but that you're more than welcome because I've actually literally put in here the specific verses that tie to every one of these so that you on your own can work through it. I'd be glad to talk to you one-on-one -on -one more about it. But the concept is that the scriptures are very clear about what's going to happen in the future. The book of Revelation can be broken down into these chunks and go through those, and you can see exactly how that all manifests and unfolds. But the purpose of this time on planet Earth, the, the, the church is about God's primary focus is to reach the Gentiles, primary focus. And the, this time period of this seven-year tribulation period is for two purposes, down here in the bottom left, to refine or purify the Jews as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as his chosen people to the point where by the end of that time, like they will, all the Jews that are on planet Earth that are alive at that time will, will trust in Christ when he returns. And then most importantly, also this ever reverberating drumbeat of, of judgments and plagues and things that are going to hit planet Earth where seven-eighths of those who are alive on planet Earth at the beginning are going to die during that time period. And in such a way that God will be glorified at the end of that time when he says there is nobody on planet Earth left alive that can say, yeah, but, to God. No one. It's like back in Egypt when the plagues hit, you know, the, the Pharaoh. And it's like they got to the end. It was like, I'm sorry. I gave, I gave you all these opportunities, you know, and, and you chose not to. So um, very, very important. Okay. So then we're going to move from the introduction and overall orientation and timetable to look beyond what we can see today. We are going to focus on three parts. Death. We're going to talk about another realm that uh, has an important component to it that is it valuable for everybody to kind of put your arms around from a context perspective. Because we touch, feel, navigate, uh, traverse in the things that we can touch and feel. And we don't necessarily, aren't, wouldn't know without the scriptures what is that which we can't see but does exist and is just as real as that which is that we can touch and feel. And then importantly also, like, there's beings in that realm that we, that we can't necessarily touch and feel or see all the time. But they do exist, and they speak of God's glory and his judgment. And so we're going to talk about that too. There's a lot of things we're going to talk about today. We're not going to get through it all. I'll tell you right now, if, 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 if filling in blanks drives you crazy, you're not going to, you're, by the end of our time to get together today, you're going to be crazy because we're not going to get done. Okay? But I'm going to give you the option when we're halfway through to tell me which ones are more important than others for you to go through with us today. But, but what's left, again, back to a little bit of work on your part, right? 
you'll have everything on the URL so that you can go to it and go through it yourself. That's the personal study side of this that I want you to start to kind of get a, get a sense of homework, okay? Make sense? Everybody good? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, all right. Death, if you go to the second page there, death is in inevitable. Marty spoke to this just a second ago. And uh, what's fascinating is we think about death. Um, let me ask you this question. Who... who who do we know in history has not died that has been has lived on planet Earth? No, Adam and Eve died, right? Um, the the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people on Earth will will pass away, right? Who who do we know hasn't actually died to the definition that Marty used? Know of anybody? Yeah. Tell me about that memory. Was here and wasn't here. <laughs> right? I mean, that's about all we know because uh, it's believed that God didn't put him through a physical death. He actually spatially removed him from this earth to where God is. Yeah. So that's a great example. Um, any, anybody else? Anybody, anybody die a few times? <laughs> Let's go the other way, <laughs> right? Lazarus. Lazarus. Yeah, that's a great, great example um, where he died. Imagine, imagine the stories Lazarus must have told in, in that window of time between the two. You won't believe <laughs> where I was, you know, um, and uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, Elijah. Elijah. Yes, totally, just completely taken up t to where God is. Um, so those are the only ones I, I can... Um, Moses, you don't know. You don't really know about Moses. They say his physical body is someplace, but no one knows where it is, right? So it leads me to believe that Moses probably died, um, but that the angels, um, holy angels, um, somehow put his body someplace that we... Is, because it would have become this, um, probably wouldn't have been. Um, okay, so uh, three people but die every second. Fifteen people just died. Um, 180 people die every minute on planet Earth. And it just it, literally in the time that we're going to spend it, uh, uh, in, our, in our time together today, 10,800 people on planet Earth will pass into eternity. Sometimes we don't really comprehend that. Um, but it is true. And uh, um, turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter um, 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, would somebody read verse 27 and 28? As it is, though Christ having been offered once. Okay. So 27 gives us some kind of insight into this thing called death. What, what are the insights or the, um, the observations, the conclusions we can we can make to the truths that are in verse 27. There is no second chance. There is one, it says, it, God has a, appointed to um, men, all men, mankind, to die one time. Not to die twice, die once. And, and then what? Then judgment. Okay, so, so that's 
inextricably linked. All who die, all will be judged somehow, some way. And so that linkage is a one-for-one uh, situation. And um, what's to, to Tim's insight here, um, what does this rule out? What does this rule out that is believed by a billion or two billion people? Reincarnation. This, this rules out reincarnation completely. One sentence, you know, 15 words, <laughs> boom, drop the mic, okay? Um, it rules out reincarnation completely, yeah. Um, we just saw um, an individual um, pass away who led a, an amazing life, uh, Billy Graham. And um, one of the key loops they played for, for Billy Graham's passing actually was this quote that they assigned to Billy Graham. But the quote isn't Billy Graham's. <laughs> it actually was D.L. Moody's. Um, would somebody like to read that out loud for us? Anybody? Out of this old clay, I was born of the flesh, 1837. So if you're doing your math right, D.L. Moody came to Christ at 19. says he never dies. He tra transformed through this passing called death. Um, but the point here is that eternal life begins at, the, at 19. <laughs> It doesn't begin when he passed away physically. Does that make sense to everybody? This is a profound implication that we're going get to get to here. Okay, profound implication. And uh, I, I absolutely love this picture. This, anybody kind of, are you able to see the picture up there at all? If you're maybe closer. What, what's the picture show? Okay. Something on the back. Okay. No? No? Yeah, so this is clay, oh. and what's emerging is something transformed from the clay completely um, that is his eternal, eternal body um, transformed from this physical clay to be his eternal body. So I, I just love that picture. It's a great picture. Oh, um, and then that part that's in the back. It's the clay from clay. up above okay. that's just kind okay. of coming off, right? Um, so just as an example, it's what's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to re see it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so cool. Um, so I want to talk about what's beyond our realm today. Um, another realm, okay? So we're going to talk about three different heavens. Three different heavens. The, the, the third heaven... Okay, the third heaven is, we're going to call it the intermediate heaven. Um, and you, uh, you, we'll come back to why we're going to call it intermediate heaven. What does the word intermediate allude to? Middle, which means what? There's something to the right of that. <laughs> and the left, <laughs> right. And so uh, we said last week, what makes heaven heaven? where God is, where God has chosen to dwell. Now, I'm not taking anything away from his omnipresence, but God has chosen to dwell in a place that he calls his third, the, the third heaven. Okay? So, um, God's dwelling place. Um, earth, as we know it here, um, would, uh, outside of earth is, is the universe. That would be called the second heaven. It's hard to write on the black. Just put it up above there. Um, second heaven. And we would call that interstellar space. 
uh, or, or the universe. Um, that would be what we call the second heaven. Second heaven. You'll, you'll, you'll hear these, uh, you know, sometimes in the scriptures they just speak of heavens or heavens, but it's important for you to understand how, how the Jewish mind would have thought about these things. Okay? Um, the first heaven is Earth's atmosphere. The first heaven is Earth's atmosphere at the bottom here, um, Earth's atmosphere. And then if, if, we, if we were to double-click on the Earth here, okay, double-click on the Earth, what we're going to find is that, is that there is a place on the Earth's, uh, the Earth's surface, okay, where when a person dies, their, their physical body goes, right? So... We have um, a burial, and in that casket that is going out to that burial site and is put in the ground, that is the physical body of that person. Um, their, their immaterial self does not exist in that box or that casket. Their immaterial self has left that body, to, to Marty's point of the separation, at the point of death, as we call it. Okay? Everybody with us so far? Yep. And so, um, in the middle, and we're going to come, we're, I'm just painting the picture first, and we're going to go a little deeper, okay? Um, so stay with me. So there is a place in the earth, according to the scriptures, where the immaterial self of people either used to go or go. I'm going to come back to that. Okay? And so that place, up until when Christ was here, all people who died, who are, non, who are believers or non-believers, their, their immaterial parts of who they are went to this place. If they were non-believers, they went to what's called the bottom part of Sheol or Hades. The bottom part of Sheol or Hades. Those who were believers um, went to a place called either, two, two, two words are used, paradise or Abraham's bosom. Paradise or Abraham's bosom. Okay? Um, when Christ died, um, he went to paradise, and extracted all those in the green section and took, took them with him to the third heaven to be, with, to be where God the Father is. Okay? So that happened there after the ascension of Christ. Okay? Took them with him to the third heaven. You're gonna wonder, like, like we're gonna, we're gonna show, I'm gonna show you all these pieces, okay? And then there's this thing that's closer to the surface of the Earth, within the Earth, that is referred to as the abyss, the abyss. And the abyss, you might use another name for this, which is also called the bottomless pit, the bottomless pit, okay? And then over on the top right here, there's a separate place, completely separate, separate place phys physically, um, called the Lake of Fire. 
and we will put in parenthesis hell. So this here is a final destination point. This here is a temporary rest, uh, destination point. Intermediate, 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 final. Okay, so we're going to come back to that. Does that make sense so far? Any questions right now? Kind of important to kind of get the framework. Does this make sense so far? Okay. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about Sheol or Hades first. Sheol or Hades first. We just read from Hebrews 9.27, and we found from there that the eternal destinies of people... Are, are irrevocably fixed. They're, they're either here or there. It says, it is appointed under man once to die and then the judgment. Okay? Um, Isaiah um, 14 gives us very clear understanding about the distinction between the grave, which we looked at, which is that outside, okay, where the physical body is, and Sheol or Hades, where quote-unquote, the spirits of the dead gather. Spirits of the dead gather. Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 32.22. Uh, let's turn to that. Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. 32.22. Says that different <coughs> regions or compartments exist in Sheol or Hades. Uh, Deuteronomy 32.22. Uh, Somebody want to read that? Does anybody have a different translation for the second line? And burns, depths of Sheol, okay. New, uh, yours is ESV. ESV, and yours is living. living, okay. And then anybody have a New American? New American says, and burns to the lowest part of Sheol. Okay, so back to our picture. The lowest part, the, the bottom part, the, the, what did you say again, Tim? Uh, the depths. depths of Sheol, okay. Um, okay, um, let's look at Luke 16 together. Luke 16. Jesus gave us a, a parable about um, a rich man called Lazarus, and a rich man and Lazarus. Um, now granted, you have to be somewhat careful about taking hook, line, and sinker every single line in a parable. I get it, but the concepts are important to get out of this. Here, Luke 16, uh, 19 through 31. Uh, would anybody like to read that for us? Okay, so let's just pause for one second. So the poor man, Lazarus, went where? Carried by the angels, kind of important, to a place called Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. And then the uh, rich man, nothing about angels for interesting, but he went to where? Hades, okay, or uh, Sheol, as we're going to find out. Okay, keep going. And he... And thank you, Father, for I have five brothers. We also kind of they will repent. Okay. Um, so, w without going into what I'm going to show you, what are some observations here that, you, that, you, that we can uh, gain from, uh, from what's going on in this, uh, this parable? Uh, according to Christ, uh, about uh, Sheol and and this place called Paradise or Abraham's bosom. What 
what can what what are some observations you can make here about about those two the situations on both any conclusions or a huge chasm that seems to be in between the two and and because of that chasm he says he's very clear like like these here can't go there these here can't go here right but they can they can see each other it appears that maybe I was wrong appears they can talk uh, can they talk together yeah, I think well, he's talking somehow to somehow Abraham. yeah he talking to right but he was talking to Father Abraham, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Okay. What else? Can't cross over from here to there, okay. which again. Correct. Yeah. What else? Torment is real. Torment is real. Like, like it happens the moment these individuals went there, or uh, the, the rich man went there. Um, torment is real, but it's only for that, for the rich man. You don't see that happening with Abraham or Lazarus, right? Um, okay. Anything else? What's fascinating is it's hot there. It's extremely hot. He wants to be cool my tongue, right? Or like it's a physiological uh, expression to something that's happening um, to him. Um, uh, they're not annihilated. They're not annihilated. They are there physically. They're conscious. Uh, they can think. They can speak. They can feel. They can talk. Can reason. To do what? What's fascinating? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and and that someone would go back and tell, become the first missionary from the abyss, <laughs> or from uh, uh, the f- from the dead, you know, to <clears throat> tell my family so they don't come where I am. Fascinating. Wow. So remember everything. everything. Everything you remember, who was there that's not here. You remember that they're not a believer like Lazarus is. Um, yeah, pretty stunning, huh? So let me flip you through a few of these. Full consciousness exists immediately after death. Its inhabitants suffer terribly, can't leave their torment, their conscience. They're bereft of hope. They're, they re, the, they retain their desires and memories. Uh, they long for relief but can't be comforted. Um, anybody need more time on that one? Everybody got it? Okay. Um, Luke twenty three forty three talks about when Christ was on the cross. What did he say to the the the, the thief on the cross who who believed in him? What did he say to him what, about where what would happen after he died? He with me in paradise. Interesting. Okay. So he said. Jesus Christ, after his death, Jesus Christ went to paradise and he promised the thief on the cross that, that the thief also would, when, and they didn't die at the same time, right? So that he, when he died, would be with Christ in a place called paradise. Connected, okay? Um, Acts 2, 27 through 33, let's go there. Uh, Acts 2, Acts 2. Acts 2, uh, 27 through 33. Okay, this is speaking of, it's, it's, a, um, it's a psalm of David's, but it's speaking about Christ um, and David. Okay, so uh, 27 through um, 33, somebody got that? 
Okay, let's just pause there for one second. So, you will, who's, the you, the you here is God, God, the Father, okay, will not abandon my soul in this context, it's who? In this context, it'd be Jesus. You will not abandon my soul to Hades or Sheol, okay, nor will you allow your Holy One, Christ, okay, to undergo decay. Your, the body, as we know, in three days won't undergo decay yet. Okay? Um, you have made known to me the way of life, meaning resurrection, resurrection life. You, you're going to make known to me this resurrection life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence, meaning not only will I be resurrected and I won't go through decay and I won't stay in Hades, Sheol, but I will be what? in your presence with gladness. I will come and I'll be in your presence with gladness. Does that make sense so far? Yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay, keep going. Brother, as I may say, prophet, and knowing that God spoke about the resurrection, not abandoned to hate other, the promise about this, that Wow. He was exalted where? To the right hand of God and received from the Father. So, so that process... Um, you know, in Acts here, was clearly laid out. Um, we find, um, uh, well, so first of all, um, uh, Old Testament saints did not go to Hades, okay? They went to this place called Paradise or Abraham's bosom, okay? And Paradise was temporary. That, that's what I was talking about. The, the, the place of Paradise in, for the Old Testament saints was temporary in nature. The place of Paradise actually is eternal, which we're going to see in a second. But Christ went there and took paradise with him. Okay, paradise being that uppermost chamber there in, in Sheol or, or Hades, if you would. Okay, um, Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 8, and, 8 through 10. Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. Uh, somebody want to read that? It says, When I led a host, what does it mean? Also descended, also ascended, far above all of the... Okay. So, a little hard to completely understand these couple of verses, but if you would just read it at face value, he's saying, when Christ ascended on high, on high is to the third heaven, okay, it says, he took with him or led with him captive, a host of captives. So, he, when he went... And ascended to the third heaven, he took with him captives that he got. And um, uh, when he ascended, it says that he also went down and descended into the lower parts of the earth so that he would take with him those captives. Um, and so we would believe that that would be the inhabitants of paradise that were believers from the Old Testament to that point in time, that he would bring them with him to the third heaven. And so, he, Old Testament believers, all believers, from the beginning of time, are with God and Christ in the third heaven now. And we know that when, um, when, when we die now, what we know is that words absent from the body what? 
present with the Lord. Promised presence with the Lord. The nanosecond leave this body, our immaterial self, is according to the scriptures, I don't know if it's for everybody, but most believe a lot of believers are 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 brought by angels to the presence of the, of God. It appears I don't know if it's all, but certainly appears a lot, right? Um, so does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So absent from the body, present with the Lord. Um, paradise is now located in the third heaven with God in Christ. Let's look at Second Corinthians twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. This is a this is a situation where Paul is given access to look into this third heaven, into the where where God is. Um, would somebody read Second Corinthians twelve two through, two through four? Okay, so I mean Paul's talking in the third person here, but he's talking about himself, and. Because we know that, like in other parts, like he, he says, like I was giving things like I can't talk about, I can't share with you what some of those things were. I was not permitted to speak of those, um, which is stunning. Because I, I actually think like I'm, I might have this wrong, right? But it would appear to me like they're so unbelievably amazing, like. Like, you're going to go there before your time. <laughs> you're going to want to go there before your time. I, I, I mean, that's how I, I process that, those words. Um, utterly stunning, utterly amazing. Die for, so to speak. Um, okay? Um, so any questions about paradise in Abraham's bosom? Um, what was, what is? So let me ask you the tough, here, here's, here's a question. So where do non-believers go now? <laughs> okay, we, we, we got to file back about 30 minutes now. <laughs> Where do non believers go now? To Sheol or Hades? Yes, they still. That, that, so they will follow where the Old Testament non believers still are. Can yes. I make a distinction more? Yeah. Sheol is the. Yeah. For place what of happens the dead. after the grave. The place of the dead, yeah. The place of the dead. That's the okay, yeah. way to put it. It's the place of the dead. What's not crystal clear testament, goal is the place that believers, unbelievers went. Because it wasn't testament. But we know that it talks about going to Sheol. Uh, and we know that others went to Sheol. Testament term, place of the dead. So if you get confused, place. But what is m- more crystal clear, testament, and and you see allusions in the Old, in Testament. The Old Testament wasn't clear. clear, crystal clear. It was it was ex- Mur- not crystal murkyish. Clear. <laughs> yes, the Testament it is crystal. That hell, as we compartmentalize yeah. until resurrection right. of Christ, and it becomes nice peace out. Now there's more room. That's really that's good good clarity. Thank you very much. Any other questions on um, on Sheol or Hades? That makes sense to everybody so far, yeah. Yeah, so you would call that like a holding. Place. Yes, it was temporary in temporary. nature, and it still is temporary mm-hmm. in nature. Yes, it was temporary in nature for for believers, and it still yet will be temporary in nature for non-believers. Okay, let's jump to the abyss. The abyss, um, according to Luke eight thirty one. Let's turn there. Luke eight thirty one. Most of you, 
if you've been around a little bit, would remember what this passage is about. It's the passage where um, the disciples came upon um, these uh, these demons and uh, 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 a hurt, a hurt and uh, uh, that had in, had uh, um, terrorized this person um, and. Uh, Christ um, commanded them to uh, come out from that person, um, and they, uh, uh, verse 28 says, uh, Luke 8, 28 says, And seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What, have I, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Um, so these unclean spirits had seized him many times, bound him with chains, shackles, kept him under guard. Um, Christ asked him his name. Um, he said, legion, the word legion, speak of a thousand at least, demons. Um, many demons had entered him. And, and verse 31, and they were, they were entreating or begging or imploring Christ not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now there were a herd of swine there, and they said, uh, can, you know, let us go there instead of the abyss, basically. So um, demons know about the abyss. Um, demons are terrified of being banished there. Demons acknowledge Christ as having the power to, to, to put them one place or another place. Um, Revelation 20, let's turn there. Um, Revelation 20, verse uh, 1 uh, through 3. Um, Revelation 21 through 3. Somebody want to read that? I saw an angel coming to Adamless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon. A thousand years were ended. Okay. And uh, um, verse 7. A thousand years are ended. Satan will be released. Okay. So the, th this appears to be very clear. Um, God destined Satan to be bound. And this binding is in this place called the abyss. Um, it is called the abyss in your translation, New American says, uh, or bottomless pit in yours, mm -hmm. New American says abyss. Other translations, interestingly enough, have the word Tartaros. You, you might hear this word Tartaros uh, also. Um, uh, but he's bound there. This appears to be a, a place of binding, a place of prison. Um, he seals it over and... and because of that, he's not let out, but then let out. And so this, this angel coming down from heaven must be some... God sends this angel and has done the orders you know, for this to occur. And, and it's God who has the, quote, key uh, to the abyss. The ability to open it, the ability to shut it. When it's, op when it's open, it's open. When it's shut, it's shut. Um, and, uh, and so um, it's the role of a spiritual prison. Um, uh, Jude 6 uh, talks about the fact that those who are in it are awaiting trial, um, and it's a place of darkness. Um, and uh, let's take a look at that. Jude chapter 6 is the book just before Revelation. One, one, uh, it's a one-chapter book. Uh, Jude... Uh, verse 6. Somebody got that? Okay. So again, same thing. They, he, he's, they've been put this place uh, until the judgment of the, quote, great day. So it's the, the final judgment. Um, and they're 
they're in this place. He says eternal bonds. So they're never going to get let out because he knows like not. He calls them eternal because it's from now till then and, and from then to whatever. <laughs> they're never going to be let out. Okay. And, um, and, he, and he says that uh, under darkness. So this place of the abyss is, appears to be um, utterly dark um, with no light whatsoever. If we believe light, the very essence of light is God emanates light. Timothy says, you know, within God, you know, in God's presence, like, it's, it's unapproachable light. It's, light is the eminence of the glory of God. The glory of God is the summation of his character uh, on display for people to see. So, darkness exists wherever God is not. Um, and he says here, the angels who did not keep their own domain, um, there's some question about this, but I, I would tend to believe that, that this really stems back to Genesis chapter 6, probably, um, um, about somehow they didn't um, stay, in their, stay in their zone. <laughs> they, they didn't stay in their the right place physiologically, um, and how that actually manifests itself or could have taken place. You know, we see God, whatever happened there, like, like God said, that never again. And I'm going to put these angels bondage in. Um, so it, so it's, it's a constant reminder of this, uh, of this to the spiritual realm that God's in control, and judgment's coming, and that judgment will be eternal. And, and it, um, in Second Peter two four, um, uh, let's look at that. Just a couple chapters to the left. Second Peter chapter two verse four says. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, again, I think it's back to Genesis 6, but cast them into, this says hell, but if you actually look at the word in the, in the Greek, it's, it's Tartaros. Cast them into Tartaros and committed them to, quote, pits of darkness. That same word is used for the abyss. Um, quote, unquote, reserved for judgment. So where are angels, darkness, and, and in prison, the temporary holding spot for judgment, it's, it's the abyss. Okay? It's the abyss. Um, Revelation 9, this is a fascinating passage. This one, this one really helped me conclude a few things about the, this place. Uh, Revelation 9, uh, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 11. Well, let's do 1 through 11. Um, would, would somebody like to read that? This is happening during the second half of the tribulation period. Buddha's trumpet and saw a star falling from heaven to earth, given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened, he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from after rose smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air. Yep. Uh, why, why don't you jump to um, uh, verse 11? Verse 11. Uh, they have, as a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, Adon. Okay. So, similar kind of thing, two different names, Hebrew, Abaddon, or Greek, Apollyon. And so there's this, back to verse 1, there's this, again, angel, fifth angel, um, uh, and he sounded, and, and saw a star from heaven which had fallen to earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. 
So there is this place called this bottomless pit, it's a, uh, uh, this uh, abyss, and in this abyss is these, uh, uh, the most evil demonic beings that God has put there. Um, I, I believe they, they were the counterfeit seraphim and cherubim um, that fell, probably the highest, a lot of the highest, higher order of angelic beings, the demons. Um, and they were put there. And what's fascinating here is that you see this, 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 um, explode, this uh, uh, explosive interaction that occurs uh, physiologically here. Um, if we think of a bot, how do you draw a bottomless pit? That's black. <laughs> yeah. But if you think about a tube, Think about a tube for a second. If you take the earth, right, if you think about a tube going around the earth like this, that theoretically is like bottomless. There's no bottom in that, in that tube, if you would. But somehow that tube, being a prison with a key managed by God, um, he, during this second half of the tribulation period, uh, opens it up. And he allows those demonic beings who are in there to come out from in there. And their leader, must have been the worst of worst, um, is called Apollyon or, or Abaddon. Um, and it describes what they look like here in this passage. I don't think this is metaphorical whatsoever. I really don't. Um, and, and it says that it was given to them as, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Um, and they couldn't hurt believers, but, but they could hurt everyone. And, and so, um, but what, so spiritual comes out and interacts somehow so that physiologically they can see them and, and something horrendous happens with, between mankind on earth and them. And what else does it say? It says, coming out of the bottomless pit was what? In verse 2. Smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air on planet Earth, the physiological sun and air, okay, um, are darkened by the smoke of the pit. So, so the spiritual interaction with the physical in such a way that these beings become manifest. Beings can interact with the human beings on Earth. And... The, the domain of the abyss invades the air and clouds the sun physiologically on, on Earth. Wow. So that says, like, they're, they're just connect, they're connected somehow, right there somehow, because it, that interaction, that exchange occurs in that setting. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh-huh. I, don't know how, I don't know how that looks or how it is, but it, it appears that that's where it is. Um, there has to be some kind of physical correct. talks about how that that the people sought death but couldn't find it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. And, and their name means destroyer. Destroyer, yep. Um, That's their goal. Their goal is to destroy. The goal is to torment. The, the, it says in verse 6, in those days men will seek death. They're going to want to commit suicide because it's so bad. Um, yeah. But they can't. But they can't. But they can't. They can't. That's like amazing, right? So, um, you know, th- I would call this the invasion from, a, from the abyss. <laughs> but somehow God puts them back, okay? And, uh, but, but it is one of, one of these uh, 
uh, trumpets, if you would. Um, any questions on that? So um, that takes us through the abyss. Um, I want to hit on the next one really quick, which is the Lake of Fire. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go through and look at these individually because I just want to go through them quickly so you get a sense of it. Most of you probably have a have a feel for this. But the Lake of Fire is a final destination. It's a, it it is part of the quote unquote eternal state. Okay, so God created hell for Satan and his demons. He did not create it for non-believers. This was a place that God had had des- had created and and was made for Satan and his and 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 his demons. It is a place of torment. It's filled with sorrow, utter regret, and isolation. Um, it will be filled with utter misery. Uh, it's called the Lake of Fire. And the reason for that is it's, it's unquenchable fire. It's eternal fire. Um, it's filled with outer darkness. So just think of a place that, like, when you think about outer darkness, what, what that's meant to say is, like, the presence of God is not there, nor is any other person. So you are completely separated, isolation, outer darkness, completely um, Never again to be able to interact with other beings. Never again we'll see any other beings. Um, completely isolated, completely tormented, um, uh, utterly hopeless. Um, Dante, I wouldn't encourage you to have the inferno be your definition of of hell, right? But he does have an interesting quote it here. It wasn't too far off. Um, uh, but he envisioned the sign that uh, was chiseled above Hell's Gate as, quote, abandon every hope, you who enter here, end quote. Um, I thought that was fascinating. Um, it's going to be shut off from the presence of the Lord, the glory of his majesty and power, completely separated from that. Um, since God is good, it will be the absence of uh, fellowship and community and friendship. It's utterly alone. It's solitary confinement. Uh, the Hell itself will have different occupants. The first set of occupants to go there will be the beast and the false prophet in Revelation 19. Um, Satan and all the demonic realm will follow them quickly when they are judged. And then all non-believing human beings will follow after that. Um, uh, It is uh, eternal in nature. And last but not least, it is just. It is just. One of the challenges that we're going to talk about next week when we get to heaven and talk about that there is in our minds, it is very hard if you have a non-believing family or friend to wrap your head around our ability to completely confident in God's justice when we see those non-believing friends and family destined for a place like this. Is, is that a fair statement sometimes? And I think it's because we, we, we only see in a mirror dimly today. But I can be utterly confident that our God is utterly just. And when we have the ability to file back and see all the videotapes and see all the opportunities and see all the situations that God brought forward, um, I believe that while difficult, we will land in a place 
of complete confidence in God's justice and his love at the same time, in the same place, with the same person. And we will know sin the way God knows sin that time. We may not think the same way God thinks right now. That's understandable. As we, as we grow more and more closer to, to becoming more like Christ, we will have the mind of Christ to think rightly about all things. And that, that's just, I'll just put it on the table, that's one thing that I think it's hard to work through personally, you know, with people. Does that make sense to everybody? Um, we'll, we'll probably deal with that next week too. Um, I have probably five or ten more minutes, eight more minutes here. Um, you have um, holy angels. You have uh, Satan. You have fallen angels and demons. And you have living creatures. Anybody got a choice of which one you want to hit? I have my thoughts because I don't think most of you have ever uh, been taught on this, but... Uh, I would think we should go to living creatures, but uh, you guys tell me which one you'd want to hit uh, in in, our, in the time we have. Yeah, I, I don't think hardly anybody knows much about them. Um, would everybody agree with that one? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's do that one then. So flip to the second to the last page there, um, and let's turn to Revelation. Uh, Chapter 4, and look at verses 6 through 9. Um, um, would somebody like to uh, read that? Revelation 4, 6 through 9. With eyes in front. Okay. All right. Uh, what's fascinating is these are beasts or animals. That's the language that actually is in here um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the original. Um, he says creatures, uh, literally, th- that's it. It's a- animals or creatures. Um, these are incredible beings that are privileged uh, to have the closest position to God. And they're stationed in what we would call this inner circle and surround or circumference the throne of God in the third heaven. And so... Um, we, we get a sense in, ver, in verses 1 through 5 about, about that throne room area and that there is this kind of inner section and the colors and the beauty, the emerald, the rainbow, um, uh, explosion of colors, lightning flashes, peals of thunder, fire burning from before the throne with these seven spirits of God, um, literally um, uh, an incredible sight. And, and it says before the throne um, was this uh, sea of glass-like crystal. What's fascinating is the Old Testament talks about how this is something that you can actually almost like see through. Um, and uh, in the center and around the throne are these living creatures. So think of the throne. Think of these four creatures. There's four of them only. And uh, they are s- s- uh, strategically placed in, f- in, f- in, in, in a square around the throne. Uh, uh, so um, they're, they're privileged with the closest position to God. Um, Ezekiel 
suggests that these beings are in constant motion around around the throne if we were, had time to go there. They're in constant motion. Uh, they are living, they're breathing, they're intelligent, and they're articulate animals, for they dwell in the presence, in God's presence, and worship, and speak, praise, and sing to God. Yes. They were created, well, we're going to look at it in a second, but that's a really important question. Um, we're not exactly told when they, when they were created, but, but I, th I think we can make some observations here. Um, they, their place has always been in, that, in the third heaven um, with, with God. Uh, but these are animals or creatures or um, creations, beings that um, are not human. They're not angelic. And they speak, they sing, they praise God, and they have this incredibly close centricity to the throne. Amazing, huh? Uh, they, they may have pre-existed, but they are definitely greater than the animals that we know. Definitely greater, okay? Um, perhaps they're the prototype creatures of heaven after whom God designed the earth's animals, quote-unquote, perhaps, right? We, we don't know, really don't know. But they are of a higher order of, than what we see here. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because, I mean, the serpent spoke, right? I mean, and it wasn't, like, surprising. So there's, there's something going on there. Balaam's donkey spoke, right? I mean, might animals just not be able to speak because of the curse? It, it, we, never, we don't know. We just don't know. But we know that these have the ability to speak, have the ability to think, have the ability to reason, have the ability to um, sing, have the ability to praise their God. Pretty phenomenal. Um, also, th th even though they were highly intelligent and expressive, they are still what the scripture calls them, living creatures or animals. Living creatures or animals. They are... Uh, they are full of eyes in front and beyond, behind them. Uh, this, this symbolizes their intense awareness and alertness and comprehensive knowledge. They remember. They, they know what has happened. They can reason at a high level. And they never sleep. Nothing escapes their notice or their scrutiny. So being in this eternal kind of a state, spiritual state, which is what they are. They, they don't die. Okay, I didn't put that in here. But they don't, they're not going to die. They're in an eternal state. They, they have memory from, way, from the beginning. Okay? Uh, the first creature is um, like a lion, and it represents wild creatures on earth and symbolizes strength. The second creature is like a calf. Looks, the point here is that it looks like a calf. It's not a calf. It has a resemblance of a lion. has a resemblance of a calf. And the calf would then represent domesticated animals on earth. Uh, symbolizes reason versus, um, excuse me, service versus strength as a lion. The third creature has ha, had a face like that of a man. And it rep represents the pinnacle of all creation on earth and symbolizes reason. So here's an animal or a created a cr creature with, that um, has a 
face like a like a man and and then represents reason and um, uh, the pinnacle of all creation. The fourth creature uh, is like that, has a representation of an eagle. It represents the flying creatures and not only symbolizes speed, but also completes the representation of the entire created order. So it's, what's fascinating is these four living creatures also mark the four banners under which the, the 12 tribes of Israel camped. So they had banners, and these banners flew over, over the encampment when they, would, when they were in the wilderness and they moved. You know, these, these four representations were, the, the, were what was on those banners that uh, uh, flew over top of them. I thought that was really fascinating. Um, they are involved in carrying out God's wrath in the following chapters of Revelation. You'll see this, how they manifest themselves. Uh, they be, they be, uh, 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 chapters of Revelation. Every one of them has six wings and full of eyes around and within. Uh, being in the very presence of God, uh, these awesome beings are in constant worship of God. Can you imagine, like, this is the thing that stunned me. Like, they've been with in the presence of God since they were created. And they know God more than we do. And they worship God better than I do. Wow. Wow. They understand that worship is their privilege, their calling, and their permanent occupation. And what were you created for? I was created to worship God, <laughs> is how they'd answer me. And then they'd say, well, what were you created for? How are you doing about that? Each were different in appearance, but together complete for the full representation of the entire created order on earth. Last but not least, these seem to lead as they are the first in heaven to lead in song and praise for the God for his perfection, his omnipotence, and his eternality. That's what they call out in their song here. So they lead the worship service. They sing first. They call out the character of God that, meant, that, that means the most. And that character of God calls out his holy, 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 his perfection. Calls out his omnipotence. And it calls out his eternality. So this is just like a glimpse into heaven, of which we'll pick up next week. Um, so um, I hope it's like sparking your thirst. I hope it's like throwing incredible water all over you around, like, whoa, like, oh, I want to know more. I want to worship God better. Tim, could you close us in prayer? Father, we thank you for what we just, uh, thank you for his teaching and defense, what, what he's presented to us today, and help us to not just soak the it needs to know that comes heaven, you know, you Amen. So I encourage you to take the URL I'll send out, go there, and go through the rest of this. Uh, the slides will be there, and you can go through it by yourself. Make sense? Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it.